We're going to read a few different passages today as we look at this fifth beatitude, part four of our series, Sermon on the Mount. And what I think I'm going to do, as I have been doing, is start at chapter five, verse one. Bobby, it's good to see you. I don't see your friend Donald there. You weren't feeling well this week. It's good to see you. Amen. I'm going to pick up at verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 7 of Matthew. God, today we thank you for the word. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to obey. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Let me read seven again. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Turning your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 6, beginning at verse 36. Or I will read just verse 36 there before we go to the next passage. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful. Just as your father is merciful. Turn over to Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense 
you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. There are two Old Testament passages that the lawyer used to answer the question that Jesus asked him. He asked the question and Jesus turned around and asked him. And there were two passages in the Old Testament. Loving God came from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And loving one's neighbor came from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. As I've told you in the past, whenever you ask, you ask Jesus a question, you better be prepared to go deeper than the question that you're asking. If you have ulterior motives in asking the question, be sure that Jesus is going to go to the heart of the problem. From Jerusalem to Jericho was about 15 to 20 miles. Keep that in mind. Point number one that we're going to address, blessed are those who not only hear but do. Blessed are those not only hear but do, which would also tie into Point number two that we will get to. Being merciful to someone who does not deserve mercy can go a long way. Today they were dealing with, in Sunday school, forgiveness. Portion I was there, forgiveness, forgiveness. It can be very hard to forgive people where you don't hold something against them throughout their entire life of yours. Being merciful is one of those things where we want, but it's very hard for us to give. I want to continue to emphasize that in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, everyone that was listening was not going to follow or do what he was saying. However, the reward in, or of benefiting from what Jesus was saying was in taking the next step. And that was actually doing what the Lord said to do. Everybody that comes to church ain't going to do what the preacher say. Everybody that, that hears what God says in his word is not going to do it. Some people are looking for excuses not to do what God said. There are many people in the church who hear the word of God, but then when asked to follow it, choose, to go a different way. So there are those who hear the sermon but are not doing what it says, which brings us to the parable of this good Samaritan. Why do people want to test Jesus? Why test Jesus? Well, that's because they really want to justify their position. You see, most people that ask the question already have oftentimes a preconceived answer in their mind. 
When people ask a question, they're not really looking for an answer. They want their position to be justified. And that's where this lawyer was in this parable or in the story that Jesus was going to tell. He comes to him and asks a very legitimate question, but there are ulterior motives behind it. The first person in the story that we see is the lawyer here. The lawyers in these times are not kind of the lawyers as we think of today. The lawyers were the ones, they were also called scribes at times, but they were the individuals where if the people had a question about the Mosaic law, they would go to the lawyers who would be able to expound and tell them what it is that they were asking or where to find it in the Mosaic law. Now, it is very interesting as you look at what this lawyer does. Jesus, in fact, let me just say this and backing up, had just had the 72 to come back to him and to tell them not to be so happy that demons were subject to them, but that their names were written in the book of life. Sometime after this time, this lawyer comes to Jesus, and the Bible says to test him. What must I do? He says, the question Teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, there's a problem in the question that this lawyer poses because he is saying that there has to be something that I can do to earn or to earn my way into heaven. This lawyer asks a question, but very interestingly, Jesus doesn't just say, this is what you need to do. He turns it around and says, "Uh, how do you read it? Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus will often ask a person a question where he has just been asked a question? He turns it around, and it's interesting to note that he asks this lawyer, how do you read it? It's interesting because the scribes and the lawyers would often be asked, well, how do you read the scriptures? Jesus, in response to what the custom of that day was, turns it around and asks this lawyer, well, what do the scriptures say? How do you read it? Now, we we know automatically right here that the question that that this lawyer asks, he already has the answer. The Lord says, how do you read it? Well, one is to love the Lord his God. And and then the second one, which is most important, is to love one's neighbor as himself. The Lord says, well, you've got the answer right. Now go do it. But the Bible says, that the lawyer wanted to justify himself. Now, the second person, as we note here in this story, before we get to the parable, is Jesus. You understand and see that Jesus takes second place to nobody. We've got the lawyer wanting to test him. 
We've got Jesus standing there willing to be tested. But believe me, the spotlight will always be turned back on you. You cannot ask Jesus a question and not have Jesus shine the light back on you. If you come to the Lord with a sincere question, he'll answer it, but it's still going to turn the spotlight back on you. What are you going to do? You see, hearing is not good enough. James talks about just hearing the word of God. We've been talking about that and dealing with that in the memorization. But when we look at this lawyer, he answers his own question, and then wanting to justify himself, he says, and so who is my neighbor? This story of the Good Samaritan is one of the best-known stories in the Bible. Many, some of the parables, but this one is one of those jewels that's well-known. I selected this because it shows here a matter of mercy by this, the person that you would least expect mercy to be shown by. Be careful of trying to be crafty and deceitful in your question because you may be exposed. You cannot just hear the word of God. You must be prepared to do what it says. As we get into now point number two, mercy showing in action, the main point of the parable is dealing with the matter of how one is to be neighborly. With every parable, there is at least one point that's being made. Even though we may glean other points, whenever you look at a parable, one point is being made. One major point, I should say, but we can glean. So I'm going to throw that out there right now. Who is my neighbor? How does one be neighborly to another? Going to Jericho from Jerusalem would require a descent of about 2,500 feet where Jerusalem was upon this mountain. 2,500 feet to Jericho was about 600 feet below sea level. Along the path of the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, there were bandits, bandits that would be along the path and that were there to rob people of their belongings. There were a group of men that had been working on the temple. For whatever reason, Herod had disbanded them, sent them away. Don't know if the work was completed, but those men, about 40,000, if I'm correct, 20 or 40,000, ended employment. And some of these individuals were some of the hoodlums that would be on the road robbing people. Going through Jericho to Jerusalem was very well known to be a very dangerous place. You just didn't go at any time from Jerusalem to Jericho. And in certain places you kept your eyes open. So the Lord says that there was this man, and we from the story know that there is this Jewish man that is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now many of the priests and the Levites would travel that road to carry out their responsibilities. In, in our studies of the, the priests and the Levites from the Old Testament, 
we know that the Lord had called the priest out of the tribe of Levi. Aaron was the priest, but out of this, this family, the priests were given a very specific role, and they were the ones that would offer sacrifices before the Lord. They served in the temple. The Levites were the helpers to the, to the priests. And so if one would expect to be helped, it would definitely be, expect, one would expect to be helped by the clergy, by the priests who had a special relationship with God. It's standing before the Lord. And the Levites, wherever they would leave the temple in the desert, whenever they would break down the temple, the tent, it was the Levites who were to carry the belongings, the temple, the ark, and the belongings and the utensils, all those things. And it's very interesting that as they would move from place to place, the ark would go out first. And when the place would be found, the tent would be set up, the ark set up, and the people would follow. When the temple was finally built, the temple itself, the main one that Solomon built, and we know there had been destruction and it had been rebuilt, that became the focal point of the place of worship, Jerusalem. And so as these people would carry out their responsibilities, as they had carried out their responsibilities when that new temple was built, they would travel from Jericho to Jerusalem. And they always knew that they had to be very careful. Just because you might be a minister don't mean you won't be in danger. Some people think, I serve the Lord, nothing's going to happen to me. That ain't, that ain't true. How do you know what God has prepared for you? He may have something just for you that's going to take you through some serious trials. And you say, I'm a Christian. Why is this happening to me? Maybe because you're a Christian. Sometimes we think life is going to be easy. But for the Christian, the opposite is true. God told you you can expect trouble. And I think if we were to remember that, it would help us as we walk this narrow path that trouble is our destiny in this life, but God is giving us the help to overcome it and to see us through it. Well, in this, par- in this parable that the Lord is, is telling, the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along. In fact, they hated each other. Because the Samaritans were half Jewish and half another culture. And so the Jewish people would not even go through Samaria because of their hatred. And so as Jesus is telling this parable, he says, there was a priest. There was a man that was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho and fell among thieves. The thieves stripped him of his clothes. And that's embarrassment. That's embarrassing. That's the first thing I want you to know is that there's an embarrassing situation that happens because he's stripped of his clothes. You see, the enemy wants to strip you. Spiritually, just strip you. Then, the Bible says he was beaten. You may not realize that sin will beat you up. 
saying? It's not patting you on the back. Oh, you're just so wonderful. Once sin is done with you, you will be battered and bruised and left for dead. This man that's going down, look at it, was beaten. He was stripped and left, the Bible says, for dead. Why? Because if no help came, if there was no mercy, if there was no compassion, he would have died. So the Bible says there happened to be a priest that came along. Now the priest passes by without even stopping to notice. Doesn't doesn't make a difference what he may have been going to do. He didn't stop to pay this man any attention. No mercy shown here. Here's a fellow Jew beaten. Here's a Jewish priest. One would think that this is where the help would come from. But no, he does not stop to help. You see, as this, this man may have been going to, to do his duties, we can surmise and kind of brainstorm and think, could he have been on his way to the temple and didn't want to be unclean ceremonially? And, and so I can't stop to help him because I won't be able to function and do my duties in the temple. So I can't provide help to you. No mercy. The next one that comes by is a Levite, is the helper to the priest. Both serving at the temple. Now the Levite hmm, does something interesting. Let's look and see what it says. The Levite came to the place and saw him and passed by on the other side. You see, the priest sees a man and probably just just stayed over there. The Levite, he came to inspect what's going on. But he didn't go any further. He looked and decided to pass by on the other side. Two people that have been blessed by God and given the position of standing before the people in God says, I don't have time to help the the pitiful. This man was in a pitiful situation. You see, what mercy does, Mercy means that one is willing to help those that are pitiful. That's what mercy does. It looks for the pitiful, those that are in such dire situations and straits that one can't help themselves. themselves. And mercy steps in. So the Levite, he investigates and inspects. That's what some people do. They come to just see what's going on. But have no intentions on doing anything different. I just want to observe and inspect. And then they'll pass by on the other side, going on about their business. Not knowing 
that quite possibly they were placed there to do something very specifically, and that is to show mercy. Here comes a Samaritan. person that's hated, a person that would, in fact, one would say, would come and finish off the job. Hmm. I now can end this person's life. I can imagine, as Jesus is saying, that this, this lawyer, when he hears the name Samaritan, that his body probably kind of, ooh. You know when something we don't like, we go, from the head, ooh, down to your toe, ooh. I mean that he had a visceral, he had a reaction, he had a visceral reaction. But then a Samaritan. Now, let's take a look at the Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity. He showed mercy on him. He showed mercy on the one that was in a pitiful situation. He went to him. Now notice what he does. And he bandaged his wounds. Now before he bandaged his wounds, doesn't mean that the order is like that's the last. He, he took some wine that he had, took some oil that he had, the wine in the Bible oftentimes represents the blood of Jesus. Wine in the Bible often is symbolic. When we take communion, we drink grape juice. And that day they drank wine. Some people actually drink wine, but represents the blood. Two things that travelers would carry with them would be oil and wine. Wine would be there to help in regards to soothing, to provide drink. And the oil would be there to, would provide from the heat. You apply the oil as an ointment to help you because of just the heat of the day and the dryness. These two items this Samaritan has. And he would applied the wine, which also Works as we know, as what? Antiseptic, and it provides healing and relief and comfort. So it would cleanse the wound, and then the oil would be applied, and the oil represents, often in Scripture, the Holy Spirit. Apply the oil after the antiseptic, and then he applied the bandages. When we look at this spiritually in the gospel, we see the Samaritan, my goodness, who could be said to represent Jesus, who covers this man with his blood, shows and, and, and covers his, his, his pain and covers him and then applies the Holy Spirit and allows this man to work. The Holy Spirit comes to give enabling power to be able to carry out the work of God. 
And when you think of how Satan beats you and strips you and leaves you wounded, it's the Lord that applies the bandages to cover you and to provide that, that, that necessary uh, um, healing for you to be able to go on. Now, now get this. The least likely person is carrying this out. The Samaritan. Then he not only helps him up, you've got to imagine he picked this man up and put him on his own beast. And the Bible says he then took him, took him to an end. Let's say that the end represents the church. You see, when Christ gets you up and cleans you up, he places you in the church. He himself has to do the cleansing work. Pays the price for you. Takes out two coins. You see, Sometimes helping people is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Sometimes helping people is going to cost you something out of your own pocket. This man takes out of his own pocket and gives it to the innkeeper. Now, I'm, I, I, I like what Dr. Butler said. It says, he didn't just bring out a whole water wall and give it to the innkeeper. No. He gave him something and says, now take care of him. And if anything else is needed, you take care of it. And when I come back through here, I'll reimburse you. We have to use wisdom when we even help people. Sometimes we just run into situations all blind. Oh, I'm supposed to help everybody. Just give them everything. No. It can be sometimes the worst thing you can do. Got to use wisdom. Be emptying your pockets for every single person. Don't know what they're going to do. You went and worked. Here, sometimes you have to help people. Now, it ain't always your responsibility if they go and misuse it because you you meant it for a good cause. But I hope I'm not hearing that they misuse it because they come again. I'm going to say, I heard it last time. <laughs> but he takes out two coins and he gives them to the innkeeper and says, Now, when I come back, if his care requires anything else, be merciful to him. And I'll come back and I will reimburse you. Didn't even know the man. The indication is that this man is not going to just go away and not come back. He's going to come back and check on him again. He knows I've got a responsibility. Some people say, I've helped you one time. That's it. No more. Being merciful means that you have to be sometimes willing to help a person over and over again if there's a real need that's there. My God, what if God didn't help us over and over again? What if God says, you sinned yesterday, I ain't forgiving you no more. Where would we be if God treated us 
as we treat others. You see, the Bible says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You want to be forgiven? You've got to learn how to forgive. This man here was willing to help. Then, there's a question that's asked of the lawyer. Which of these three men, the priests, the Levites, the hated and despised Samaritans, which of the three was the neighbor? Which of the three was the one that showed himself to be friendly? Which of the three was merciful? Which of the three showed compassion? As I bring this to a conclusion, you know what the lawyer said? I guess the one, I guess the one, this is sweet. He says, I'm putting it, I guess the one who had mercy on him. Guess this. He didn't say the name Samaritan. The one. You get this now. He didn't say, oh, the Samaritan. The one that I don't like, whose name I'm not going to say. Him. <laughs> and he says, go and do likewise. And that's the second time the Lord told him to do. You see, <laughs> when Jesus said go and do likewise, this lawyer was all about hearing, thinking he was okay by what he knew, but not applying it. And the Lord says to him, now you, rather than asking me and trying to be the expert in the law, go do the very thing that you are supposed to be doing. This Samaritan showed himself to be merciful and showed himself even though he is not even a priest nor Levite nor a leader as you are, He's doing the very thing that you are supposed to be doing. The first will be last and the last will be first. That's why I believe sometimes people can come into the church and get saved and show such growth that people that have been in the church for years, like, hmm, they think they all that. They just got into the church. Because sometimes this is attitude and heart for the Lord. I want to serve God. Being merciful is not a take-it-or-leave-it proposition. Being neighborly is not only to those whom you like. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. There is, a, there is an aspect of hearing. There is an aspect of doing. You can't be saved unless you hear the word of God. 
And you can't be saved unless you accept the Word of God. This Sermon on the Mount is awesome. It's powerful. And it shows us where we really are. You see, Jesus takes people out of the world, puts them in the church, and he entrusts people to the care of the body. Are you merciful or are you like the lawyer? Where do you fall? Where do you stand? Are you like the Samaritan or are you like the priest and the Levite? If Jesus was to stand and ask you right now, are you merciful? What would your answer be? Are you taking, have you taken pity on someone where there's a great need? Or have you come along and kicked them and passed by on the other side? Bow your head. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Today in this place, Lord, We have a decision to make. If the question is being asked, then it requires a response when the answer comes. We pray that we will take the example. We will look and see what the Lord says. And we will say, I'm going to be like that Samaritan. I'm going to be neighborly. I'm going to be merciful. I ask the question, Lord, because I want the answer, because I want to do something about it. And so in this place today, may our hearts and minds go to that and to those where mercy needs to be shown. Maybe someone outside of this building. The Bible says, blessed, happy, Joyful are the merciful. Give us a heart of mercy. Heart of, Lord, wanting to help those in a pitiful situation, those where God, those that need help, where our compassion can be shown to people. Pray today that we don't try to find ways to always reserve and hold ourselves back but that we can say and will be willing to say, Lord, how can I be used by you? Use me for your own glorious purpose. We honor you. We bless you. Worship you. Magnify you. In this place, we give you the glory and praise in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.